Breaking Bread with Brilliant Babes. I'm your host, Tatiana Jimenez. We're recording today in my tiny studio apartment in sunny and oddly warm San Francisco. Today I'm joined by Rocio Alberon. Hi, Rocio. Hey, Tati. <laughs> Thanks so much for being on the show. I'm so glad that your random trip to San Francisco this weekend made this episode a possibility. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for having me. <laughs> So for any first-time listeners out there, our purpose here is to shed some light on everyday people doing brilliant things. I invite them into my home, cook a meal, and we eat together and chat about their careers and how they got to where they are today. Today, we had my favorite breakfast smoothie. So Rocio is an attorney at an immigration law firm in L.A., She got her JD from USF and her undergrad degree from UCLA. So, Rocio, can you share a little about the work that you're doing currently and your career history up until this point? I'm currently working at an immigration law firm, like you said. So I represent clients seeking what we call immigration relief. They're just seeking a way to legalize their status in the U.S. And I do this through representation in court and by filing affirmative applications before USCIS. USCIS is the agency that adjudicates affirmative applications for family petitions or Mm -hmm. asylum. Um, The office is, USCIS is short for United States Citizenship and Immigration Services. So that sounds very important, especially these days. So I guess, how did you get to where you are today. So you got your undergrad at UCLA. I think you were a poli-sci and sociology major? That's right. So I graduated from uh, UCLA and then started working in the nonprofit sector. My first long-time job after undergrad was for a nonprofit that goes by the acronym of MALDEF, the Mexican American Legal Defense and Educational Fund. And I was with them for a little over four years doing parent engagement around education. Mm, okay. And then you you then got your um, JD up here in San Francisco at USF, which I remember. That's right. <laughs> it was quite the journey. It was good times. It was yep. very intense. I didn't even go to law school, but I felt like I went to law school. <laughs> sure. Thank you. Thank you for the support. And when you passed the bar, I felt like we both passed the bar. <laughs> yes. But anyway, yeah, that seemed like um, like an interesting time too. Also, because there are a lot of I don't know what the what the norm is, but it seemed like you were like one of the older students, maybe, and like a lot of kids just come out of undergrad and go to law school. That's right. So I took several years off. I didn't go to law school until I was twenty seven. So I was certainly above the hump. Mm-hmm. I would say the average is. 23 and 25 to start. So I was okay. definitely one of the older kids on campus. Mm-hmm. So I guess my next question is, when was the moment you felt that you broke into your role or your chosen field? I think I'm living that moment right now. Mm-hmm. I recently started working for a private immigration firm, but before that I was doing nonprofit. And in that role at the nonprofit, I was doing a limited scope of work within immigration. And right now I feel like I'm getting a broader spectrum of the work and I'm really loving that. 
Yeah, because there's, with your job, from what I know from television, mostly, <laughs> like there's like the behind the scenes work that, that there's a lot of research and just, you know, uh, writing that you have to do. And then there's the actual being in court. So, so it sounds like you're doing more of the latter now, or maybe it's like a, more of like a, like a diverse, interesting mix of those. I think that's right. I think it's a diverse, interesting mix. I'm in court a lot, but I'm not doing everything I could do in court Mm. because I'm starting off. So my boss is keeping me in safe spaces, I think. Mm -hmm. But um, I really enjoy it. That's cool. So along your journey to, to get to where you are, did you have a mentor along the way? Or do you have one now? And then are you in a position where you feel like you can give advice and mentor others? So along the road, I think I had a lot of support, but I'm not sure I'd say I had a mentor. I think I've bumped into a few people who had mentor moments, Mm -hmm. but I couldn't say that I had a stable, consistent person or group of persons that filled that role for me. And I'm actually still on that journey. Mm -hmm. So... I went to school in San Francisco and I work in LA, so I'm trying to make those connections there. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's been a bit of a challenge. And as far as mentoring, I've done um, things here and there where I'm like open to speaking to high school students or something like Mm -hmm. that and sort of tell them that, you know, this is possible and it's okay from where you come from, you can do this. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm not quite ready to fill a mentorship role quite yet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Because you're still learning too. Yes. So I know you're still kind of, you just started your career essentially um, as an attorney, but what so far has been your biggest career obstacle slash shittiest moment? I think there are many learning moments Um, in my career right now but I think the biggest the shittiest moment or the biggest sort of obstacle that I've overcome thus far is beginning my practice in a place where I was only doing a limited scope of things so even though I've been a lawyer for you know about a year I spent the better part of that year doing a handful of things if I had to put a number five different things repetitive in different ways and every mm-hmm. case is different but it was just so limited and now it feels like I'm really starting truly starting my career in the in my most recent position mm-hmm. okay so you would say that your I guess the, the the shitty part that you had to get out of was just yeah the repetition and doing kind of the same thing and maybe like the grunt work Well, not just that, just being afraid to jump in. I Mm, think the reason I did that was because it was a safe, sort of sheltered place Mm -hmm. to be. And right now, it is not that. Mm -hmm. Now it's just go and do it and hopefully do it well. Mm -hmm. And so I think it was fear of really just getting in there and, and going for it. What's been your biggest opportunity so far or best moment? I think my best moment was standing before a judge and entering my appearance on behalf of my client. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that sounds like one of those like moments, again, in a movie <laughs> where it's like, you know, the, the solo lighting and it's like, oh, yeah. I've worked so hard just like for this, like this to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's probably a lot more glamorous yeah. than movies. <laughs> Then in real life, because uh-huh. I can tell you my voice was shaky, uh-huh. you know, I don't yeah. think I enunciated my 
the complete name of my law firm. Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. it was a special moment for me, for sure. Mm-hmm. That's great. So on this show, I'd also like to highlight what I call hidden talents. So things that are significant to our lives that we might not add to our resumes or are necessarily work-related. So Rocio, I know that you don't have a lot of free time, so it's you probably don't have any time for hobbies, but you did mention to me that when you do have free time, you usually spend it with your family. That's right. I spend a lot of my free time with my family. We're a very close-knit family, and... Mm-hmm. Um... I like to think of myself as aunt extraordinaire. I have young nieces and nephews that I love spending time with. Are you like the only one in your family without kids? That's right. I'm the only one, <laughs> I'm the only one in my family without kids. So I think that's it's cool because then mm-hmm. I get to spend time with mm-hmm. my, my, my siblings' kids. Yeah. Um, but also it's sort of... Also feels demanding because uh-huh. they think I have a lot of time yeah. and energy that uh-huh. I don't uh-huh. because I'm not caring for kids at home. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's I aspire to be the cool aunt as well as someone who does not have kids. <laughs> you know, the way I stay close, I think for you, probably uh-huh. part of the issue is distance. And the mm-hmm. way I stay close, even though I don't live so close to them, is through FaceTime. So oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, my sister has a four-year-old, three-year-old and a newborn, and I FaceTime them every day wow. to say hello, even if it's on my drive uh-huh. home. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, my niece is, she's going to be two in a couple weeks. So adorable. <laughs> and, I love that. Yeah, she, like, she's kind of, I think she knows what FaceTime is. Most of the time, she just gets the phone and puts it on the couch and then sits on top of it. Oh, no. <laughs> She'll learn. It's yeah. enough. It's really fun. Are you enjoying the podcast? Whether you're listening to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, we'd love it if you'd leave us a review and or a rating. This helps other listeners find our show in the abyss that is the internet. We'd greatly appreciate it, and thanks so much for tuning in. So now we'll dive into the listener question portion of the episode, and I have three questions for you. So the first one is going like farther back in time. When did you, well, unless it was recent, but when did you decide you wanted to pursue the legal profession? I decided I wanted to pursue the legal profession while I was working for the nonprofit that I mentioned earlier. Mm. As I said, we were doing parent education around education, parent organizing, and training around education. And I noticed that there was a lot of need for legal representation because um, we were trying to help parents get involved with their kids' education, but it's really hard to do that when your legal status isn't stable or your family is being separated due to deportation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, They asked for help, and the place that I worked focuses... They also do legal work, but they do what we call high-impact litigation, which is not direct services. And I found that there was a need for direct services, and that's why I chose to go into the field. I see what you're... Maldef, I follow them on social media, and they're responsible for, like, yeah, like you're saying, higher impact. So, like, a lot more of the cases that you hear about in the news... Yeah, it's the type of cases that Mm -hmm. will impact an area of law or change something for a broader group of people, whereas direct services, I guess the way I look at them is you're changing that one person's life, and Mm -hmm. maybe that involves changing the law, but not every time. Mm -hmm. And these people need direct help Mm -hmm. one-on-one. And they just probably don't have the resources for that. That's right. Okay. 
The next question is, oh, before I ask that though, I want to go back to when you uh, were doing your poli-sci undergrad. Sure. Was it just something that um, you were interested in or did you think like maybe someday I'll, I'll go to law school? You know, I might have thought it in uh-huh. passing, but yeah. no, I don't think it was ever a real plan. Growing up, it was never a choice to go to college. That was always something that was demanded of my um, parents and especially my father. Um, so college was a given in my mm-hmm. household, but that's where the thought ended, I think, for them and mm-hmm. probably for me too. So while I was in UCLA, I actually thought I was going to pursue a master in health administration. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Because you, you worked at Kaiser for a little bit. <laughs> I did an undergrad rotation with Kaiser. I had an mm-hmm. internship that sent me um, through their like administrative and also through their hospital floor. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that's what I would do Yeah. Um, after undergrad, if mm-hmm. anything at all. Uh, another listener question that we have is, what do you love most about the work you do for your clients? There's a lot to love about my work. I think the thing that is most satisfying is is the work itself. It's helping people who who need the help mm-hmm. advocate for themselves in the best way possible. It's my job to represent mm-hmm. their interests and try to find the relief that they so desperately need to stay um, with their family or even to survive. Mm-hmm. So that's the most gratifying part of my work. Yeah. So I have my own listener question that I want to ask. So I think this is a really interesting time, you know, to be in the field that you're in um, because our government is not very friendly to immigrants. And I, I would be curious to know, probably from your colleagues who have been doing this a long time, like has the situation changed a lot for immigrants coming into this country right now. I imagine the answer is yes. <laughs> but like how like are you seeing that on like a policy level or like um changes that affect uh, like the cases that you're seeing and stuff? Yes. So, you know, I am new to the field, but I have mm-hmm. experience in it because I've I've been in the area a lot if not, you know, practicing under my own license, mm-hmm. but It has changed a lot under this administration and the changes are prevalent everywhere. It's not just policy. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, on the ground too. So policy, I, you know, I can, it's a more obvious aggression and racist agenda against immigrants. And so I don't think I really need to get into that too much, but as far as on the floor, so in court, you just see things have changed. So different um, forms of relief or not even relief, but Options that were available mm-hmm. to immigrants seeking relief are no are no longer available because they mm-hmm. have directives from mm-hmm. the administration not to yeah. accept these sorts of things. So one of the things that is no longer available is what we call PD. It's prosecutorial discretion okay. where the government could sort of stipulate to administratively close a case or something mm-hmm. like that and just leave it sort of floating in the ether without acting on it. Hmm. That's not something you see anymore. And it's other little things. So when uh, we walk in there asking for a continuance to better prepare our client and our case and develop our evidence, a lot of times the government counsel will oppose a continuance and say that it's a, you know, undue delay. or So they're getting mm-hmm. told to be more strict and mm-hmm. unflexible. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I imagine that 
there's kind of like in business, you know, if your your CEO and your senior senior management team has a certain like fundamental way of behaving or whatever or working that trickles down to the rest of the company. So like I imagine our government works the same way, like, you know, with our president thinking this way. And then, you know, of course you have like diversity in Congress and stuff. Like it's not as diverse as it should be, but you know, not everyone thinks the same way as him, but I imagine his like the, those, like the majority policies trickle down into like the, I don't know, farther down into like communities and affect the help that people can get. Yeah. So I'm not sure I see it like that Mm -hmm. all the time because Mm -hmm. I think, a lot of it is top down, you know, mm-hmm. um, our president down. But other times it's the other way around. I think people in this country have been always been racist and now they That's have a, a vehicle. Mm-hmm. But as far as, you know, my job specific to my job, I think that, you know, these people are, are people just like me and you that work for this administration and their jobs also depend on it. Right. Mm-hmm. So if they don't mm-hmm. follow the directives of their boss, they're not going to be there very longer or they won't promote mm. or whatever it is so mm-hmm. sometimes it's because you know I think a lot of times it's who they are but also mm-hmm. you know they're just living their life too mm-hmm. oh, well thank you for answering my question <laughs> but um the the last listener question we have is if you weren't working in immigration law what other types of work would you pursue or be interested in I love the law, so it's actually a tough thing because I don't really see myself doing anything but this. And mm-hmm. when I say that, I don't mean immigration forever. It's not um, limited to immigration. I just love the law generally. Mm-hmm. Another area of law that I'm interested in is employment labor law. Mm-hmm. But if I were completely outside of law, I would be a photojournalist. Whoa. Okay. Or, or what do they call it? Like, journal, uh, historian, like, journal, a uh, photo historian. So, I would like to travel the world and take mm-hmm. pictures, bringing attention to the issues that matter to me. Mm-hmm. That is definitely photojournalism. <laughs> yeah. That is what I that's, would do. That's awesome. I like that. I like how, yeah, all of your things are related to, like, social justice. And <laughs> I mean, it's who I am. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of mm-hmm. people may not identify so deeply with Mm -hmm. what they do but I do and I love that I don't think I Mm -hmm. could have it any other way that probably makes you I know you're you're early in your career but that's gonna make you really good at what you do because you care about it I hope so last questions I like to ask my guests which this doesn't have to be work related is what are you looking forward to this week nothing (laughs) I'm just kidding (laughs) um work-wise it's it's not that I don't look forward to it because I love my job I Mm -hmm. actually talk to my coworkers about this a lot because I've been talking their head off with questions and they probably think I'm whiny but in reality I'm excited and thrilled Mm -hmm. and I feel blessed and privileged to be in my new role Mm -hmm. Um, and I love what I'm doing I'm learning a lot but I wouldn't say I look forward to the learning because it's hard to learn the way that I'm learning right now Mm -hmm. so it wouldn't be work-related what I would look forward Mm -hmm. to this week is spending time in my home I've 
I've been working on my little apartment for a while now and I feel closer to getting it done and I feel really motivated mm-hmm. to spend some time at home decorating. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what's really motivating to do that, which I've done recently? I started re-watching old episodes of Hoarders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, and I know... Not to like poke fun at hoarders. I know it's like a it's like a serious thing. It's like a you know sure. um, mental health issue. But that being said, it's very motivating because then you're like, I should clean my apartment. Like, what's stopping me from cleaning my apartment? Absolutely, and no worries about that. I don't yeah. take things like that very seriously. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can't these days. Otherwise, everything is offensive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I recently bought some plants at IKEA and uh-huh. repotted them, and they're beautiful. And I want to bring them in yeah. and find a space for them. Mm-hmm. So that's the stuff I do on my off time. Yeah, love it. And then just closing out, is there anything you'd like to plug? Anything going on in like LA in the community that people should know about? Not right now, but just generally, one of the things I do to take the edge off is cupping. So if you've never cupped, you should look into it. It's really um, been useful to me. Wow. Very helpful. Does it, it looks really painful. I've seen it on YouTube. It kind of is, but there's relief after the pain. Okay. Interesting. I'll try it. Do you do that pretty often? I haven't recently because that's how busy I am, but okay. I, I only used to do it um, when I was more doing it more frequently, about twice a month. Wow. Okay. Got it. So check out cupping, everybody. <laughs> All right. Well, Rocio, thank you again for being on the show. Thank you. That was fun. <laughs> so to learn more about Rocio and other topics we've covered on this episode, head over to our website, brilliantbabespodcast.com, where you can also listen to previous episodes, check out our event calendar, and get the recipes for the dishes we make for each episode. Today's recipe was Tatiana's favorite breakfast smoothie. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and stay tuned for episodes every other Tuesday. Take care, everyone. Thank you.